0: We'll Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner, Evan Preparis, and we are back for another episode. I do not have Brenna on the line because she lives in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, and can't get internet. But in true Strength and Speed fashion, I have stolen several guests from the Link Endurance Podcast. So my co-host today is none other than Miles Keller, the the man who has appeared the most times on this podcast besides myself. So Miles, say hi.
1: I, I wear that belt proudly, sir. I love this podcast. I, 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 I pale in comparison to Brenna. Fair enough. In pretty much every aspect of life, including looks. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, but I, am, I love to be on the show, man.
0: All right. And before we introduce our other guest, uh, we'll quick word from our sponsors. So this episode is brought to you by Hyleet. So if you've never worn Hyleet's clothing, I would definitely check them out. They are awesome. I have a pair of their shorts and their pants that are like the most comfortable things ever. That's pretty much the only pants and shorts I wear. My wife's always yelling at me I need to put on nicer clothes instead of workout clothes, but I can't because they're just too comfortable. Hylate is a sponsor of Endure the Gauntlet, so they donated a bunch of gift cards that I'll be giving away the weekend of Endure the Gauntlet in Tulsa, Oklahoma on August 24th through 26th. So big thanks to them. And again, their shorts and their clothing are just absolutely awesome. Also a huge fan of their bags. If you're looking for a great race bag, I've got the Icon, which I don't even think is available anymore, but that one's great, but they also have one that's a six-in-one, so it's like a backpack slash duffel bag slash like briefcase. It's, it's literally a little bit of everything, and I use it for not only races and for traveling, but also for work. It allows me to pack my computer in the smaller section and put that under my seat when I travel on the plane, and then it, I take my duffel bag, fill it with clothes, and throw that above So uh, if you're looking for a good backpack, check out Hylite. All right. So my other guest on the podcast who I've also stolen from Link Endurance is uh, Victor David Quesada. So Victor, welcome to the show. Hey,
2: thanks, Evan, for having me on. You know, it's funny how you take uh, two other people from a podcast, you know, you're doing like a stealer from or a two for one deal. (laughs)
1: <laughs> two, <for laughs> two, one, yeah. two birds with one stone Yeah, <laughs> That's right so
0: I scheduled this podcast With Victor and when Victor Answered the line Miles was also There so he is now on the podcast also
2: Yeah so We're in a couple of like uh, messaging groups So they're like so does Miles Answer your questions all the time Because most of the time I don't I forget to answer on uh, Facebook messenger And it's like there's one guy Named Sean he always answers like Do you always answer Victor's questions Miles does. He's, just jealous.
1: he's yeah. just jealous of the bromance. <laughs> jealous of the bromance. So it's, <laughs> it's pretty
2: funny how Miles is on this podcast as well. So Sean, if you're listening, it did not happen on, uh,
0: on like, accident. It, yeah, it, was, it was he, he just on purpose. Had, yeah, it's very on yeah, purpose. He's
1: my man, Sean, go get your own. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right, all right. So for those of you who don't know who Victor is, going to read a quick couple of highlights from his bio. So he did his first obstacle course race in 2014, the Sacramento Super. Finished first in his age group, uh, the 25-29 to 29 age group, and sixth overall against some really big names. So Hunter McIntyre, Cody Moat, Glenn Race, Ian Dyerly, and Ben Greenfield were ahead of him. So definitely a strong field and definitely did real well. He won $500 in his first elite race and first podium uh, for Spartan Race. Second in age group in... age group at OCR World Championship two years in a row, so 2015 and 2016, against Brian Gowiski, another great athlete, also a military veteran, um, who's also taken that title three years in a row now. He's also been on ESPN Battlefrog and Broken Skull Season 5 and the All-Star episode, which I'm sure Brenna is screaming at her phone right now because if there's one thing she loves to talk about, it's Broken Skull, but we're not going to talk about Broken Skull much this episode. We're going to talk about some other stuff, specifically... Looking at talking about terrain race, um, some of Victor's history, uh, his partnership with a sponsor, the Spartan Pro Team, and then his recent run of the Conquer the Gauntlet team race. So, all right,
1: kind of, I'm kind of bummed out about that too, Evan. I think they, I think they may have canceled uh, Broken Skull Challenge. I don't think there's another season. I, so I think so too. OCR is kind of bummed out about that.
0: Yeah, well, I hate to be like a spoiler here, but. When Hunter won, I was like, "All right, I'm pretty sure no one's gonna beat him ever, unless he had a unless he had a bad race." Because I mean, he won the U.S. Championship, the 3K and the 15K, and is obviously that kind of event suits him because he's a bigger guy. He's got some some muscle on him, and that you know, Broken Skull selects for those who are good at wrestling and those are bigger guys and carry weight. Now I know I said I wasn't gonna talk about it, but Victor actually did real well, and he actually gave him a run <laughs> for his money. So I was. Part of me was hoping that there was be, a, you know, maybe Hunter had a bad day, and you had a good day, and maybe you would top out. But um, I think you were a little bit behind.
2: Yeah, it was just a little bit. But
0: it's funny how we're still talking about broken school now.
1: Wait, no one's came <laughs> closer to beating Hunter's time. You were forty seconds away, correct?
2: 50, 55
1: seconds, fifty seconds, fifty-five. The closest Fifth anyone's quarter. coming to beat that time. Do you beat yourself up over that coming so close to taking the?
2: Yeah, because I just feel like I should have been in better, better shape for that kind of stuff. Because yeah, I, was, I was training for it, but like, it wasn't like as much training as I should have been doing. Yeah, you, you, could, you could. I was kind mid- watching as a watch. Yeah, I was in the middle of the process of moving to Texas, so it was like
0: a lot was on my mind at the time. So, but cool. yeah,
2: yeah, I did my best what I had, and you know,
0: came up short. Yeah, you put up you put up a hell of an effort, and obviously you had a great showing since you were back in the All Star episode. So it was good. I'm actually not a huge fan of the show, but I would watch it religiously only because all my friends were on it, so it was cool seeing yeah. you on there. Thanks. You too, Miles. I like seeing you there, too.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I made the outtake. I forget you were on the there, yeah. yeah, I know. It's only, well, I, I don't talk about it much, but yeah, I was on the same episode you were. I totally are. forgot. And yeah. hey, I'll tell you something that was amazing about Victor, seeing how we have him on the podcast today. Most guys especially in endurance sports, that we don't have any kind of uh, contact, right? We're not wrestling each other. We're not hitting each other. We don't have any kind of background. Uh, Victor, if I remember correctly, had never wrestled another man leading up to this, and the dude he went up against was you know, phenomenally fit. I believe had a little bit of experience, and he handled him, man. It was completely impressive, and that was all instinct. He had no training, any kind of wrestling background Whereas, I mean, hell, I may have won, but I also was taking some, a little bit of training right as soon as I found out I was going to be on the show. I happened to work with another guy that has a background in wrestling. He started teaching me all the, uh, all the different techniques, and Victor just went in blind. Had you, had you ever even seen the show before? Yeah, I watched the show. Oh, okay. That's okay. What, how else do you think I applied for the show? Well, you didn't <laughs> train any wrestling. Yeah, but it doesn't mean I don't. Well, know yeah, what the... you think if you watch the show, you've been like, I need to practice <laughs> wrestling. I'm going to have to wrestle another grown ass man. I was more worried trying to beat the Skullbuster. That was my whole goal. Like, <laughs> if, like, if you watched
2: the beginning of the episode, he was like, You, blue shirt, what are you here for? I'm here to win the Skullbuster. And he called me out, Steve called me out saying, so, you're like, uh, you're already thinking about the Skullbuster, and you already have these people in front of you. You better keep your mind straight, blah, blah, blah. I forgot what he said, but I already had my mindset on the Skullbuster. I wasn't even thinking about, like, the first, second, th- or third round, you know? So, I already had my mindset, Miles.
1: I didn't even think about the wrestling. Just because your mindset doesn't mean you're going to win a wrestling match. That was incredible, man.
0: <laughs> All right. Miles my- has derailed my podcast for, like, the 50th time. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's get back on track. We do this a lot. I'm surprised you still let him on. He just forces his way on, you know. Like I, I just called you specifically, and he's like, "Oh, I'm, I'm here too." So,
1: I'm, yeah. I'm entitled. I named my first child Evan after Evan, so I get to come on the podcast. Yeah, it, it, <laughs>
0: his child's name is Evan Victor. So, good, perfect, perfect child. That child will be perfect. All right, let's get down to some of the topics we wanted to talk about. So. Okay. You know, I've always known you. You know, when you when you see certain athletes, they become associated with certain brands, and I've yeah. always known you as like one of the Terrain Race guys. So, can you yeah. take me through and kind of what was your involvement with Terrain Race? Did you work for them, or did you just run their races a lot, or what that deal was? So,
2: uh, I started working with them uh, in 2016. My first race with with them working was uh, in Tucson. Um, but I first got in co- contact with them in 2015 when I did the Las Vegas race, and um, you know I got hooked on it because I never done anything like um, mandatory completion. Actually, the the week after terrain race was OCR Worlds in uh, in, uh, in, uh, in in Ohio, Ohio. Yeah. so it was my first race. Yeah, it was my first race doing mandatory completion. So it was kind of cool that I had kind of kind of some experience because there's all, like I never done anything besides Race. so um, yes I, I did work with them I did build crew with them you know I built all the obstacles so everyone that touched all the obstacles I did build mostly the big ones not not like the the trust ones I did mostly the wood ones so but you know I always had conflict when I did work and race because I could see both points of the story of athletes saying that I know the course, and, you know, I built the course, and yes, I could see it, I could see it both ways of the athletes getting mad at me, but, like, they still have to run the race and still have to be me, you know, I, I still ran, I I I did that for two years, train race, and...
1: Yeah, well, when you win by, like, yeah. five minutes, whether you put together the course, it yeah. doesn't make much of a difference. This is a really good topic, Evan, that it would have been good to talk to Brenna about, because... I know Brunna and Napalm both work for uh, Conquer the Gauntlet and had the same flack about, hey, they're building the course and they're racing on it competitively. Does that give them an advantage? You know, there's there's two different sides to that argument, yeah, but it would be interesting to get their input on that too.
2: And I totally understand both sides, you know, because they could, they could say I know the entire course. And, yeah, I mean, I did know the course because I built the course. I built the obstacles, and I knew where all the obstacles were at, but they still had to beat me in running and it's not always like I won the race I mean in 2016 in Georgia I went against Yuri Force and he beat me by like 4 minutes you know
1: oh wait Yuri Force did a terrain race
2: yeah
1: oh i didn't know that and but they changed that recently right they no longer allowed that in yeah, it, a terrain race they will not allow you anymore to build and race
2: yeah so it that happened for a year until they changed the rules in uh, Virginia and I was able to race and run but they changed it in the rules saying that I, I, I used to pre run the course to make sure the tape was, the marking was all good for all the athletes so we wouldn't get lost. So I was one of those people that pre run the course to make sure everything was okay. But I was not allowed to do that anymore. And I was like, I was totally fine with it. And, and they also put in like, you can practice on the obstacles, which I never did anyway. I never practiced on any obstacles to, you know, get an unfair advantage. So, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I, technically still kind of work for them but i don't work for them anymore you know i'm still in contact with them but i don't uh i'm not involved this year but since i had the baby evan did you do your
1: first terrain race this year
0: so i did my my very first one was the relay the 24-hour relay i did with you miles oh, right. uh, that was the first time i met victor i think and then my first solo terrain race was this year in tulsa so yeah
1: so They took their rig game to the next level, man. I'm really loving the difficulty of the rig. Is I'd say on par with say, conquer the gauntlet savage race. Um, I feel like terrain's obstacle difficulty wasn't known for that before. But what do you think of the rig uh, when you race there in Tulsa?
0: So definitely easier than conquer the gauntlet, but they did definitely step it up a level. Like I was expecting more of a warrior dash type of race. And yeah. it was not like, I mean, none of the obstacles were super hard or super difficult, but, you know, putting them back to back and then there was, you know, there's there a lot of decent ones that made you tired and running essentially like a time trial doing all those obstacles got, definitely got your heart rate high. So I was, I was impressed with the terrain for, like, my expectations were exceeded going into it. I'll say that.
1: I'll bet you any money a lot of people. You say that a lot of obstacles weren't as difficult, but you'd be amazed how many people in the elite field were were missing. I, 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 I want to say tar, I want to say Tarzan, but that's what we call a, a, the a monkey rig balls, and, right? And conquer the gauntlet, the monkey balls. Yeah, they the four ropes
0: in a row. The Tarzan, oh, really? Thing.
1: Yeah, the Tarzan. A lot of people were, could not get through that. Man, that
0: was quite difficult for most. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was pretty good. Something I would I would go back to if it fit into my schedule a little bit better.
2: Yeah, I have always, when I was building it, I have always tried to make the rig tougher. But the owner, it was always like, because they don't want backup on obstacles. And since we had like a smaller rig, it wasn't a very big rig. And we get thousands of people going. They don't want held up at obstacles. So they, I can see their point too. But I have always wanted to make it the rig challenging because... I mean we do we terrain is starting to get some of those athletes because they do pay out. They're one of the smaller companies that do pay out. It's not like Warrior Dash or Rug and Maniac are paying out, you know. They're paying out money for first place, second place, and third place. So I have always wanted to try to make it challenging, not easy just for runners to win it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was it was a fast field when I ran in in terrain. uh, I mean in Tulsa. I think we had it's twenty two seconds the gap between I came in fourth, and it was between second and sixth place. There was a twenty-two second gap, so it was uh, yeah. It was like stupid. It was stupid fast and uh, really close. All right, moving along. So, you know, as since you kind of worked for Terrain, was there ever like a Terrain ambassador or pro team? I, I think I recall. I don't know if it was you or someone else. I think I recall seeing like people hashtagging Terrain under that. Was there ever an ambassador or pro team?
2: Um, I think that. Uh, The owner, his name is Jerry. I think he tried to do an ambassador program last year, and I'm not sure if it's, like, fully still going, the ambassadors, but uh, but I know there's some people that are terrain ambassadors. A pro team, I want to say yes and no. I want to say, like, there's people that ran terrain races because back in, what, 2013, 2014, there were only, like, three or four races a year until 2016 where they blew up to, like, 20 races 30 races so i want to say yes back in the day there was because there was only there's so many race uh so many races but i want to say no as well because it wasn't official
0: gotcha uh so speaking of pro teams you are on the uh spartan pro team select how did that come about
2: um so uh if you know who joe di is uh, he actually messaged me on instagram about um something that Spartan race is working up and he wants uh, wants to know if he, if i want to be a part of it and i was like sure and then i think like uh maybe a couple of weeks later i gave him my email he, i gave him my phone number and he told me is it a good time to call and i called him and he was and then he told me about the they're doing like a an off branch of like the pro team and it was called like the select team so i was like i mean it's not that, like, I want, like, of course, like, you want to be recognized as, like, an official Spartan pro team, not, like, how Ryan Wood say it, you know, I even though I know you guys have some conflicts, but, like, Ryan Wood said like, the JV team. And, you know, I kind of feel like that, but, I mean, I kind of want to be recognized, like, I am good enough for it to be on the pro team. So, uh, Joe Di approached me on Instagram and messaged me, and and, and that's how I got the thing started giving my email, and
0: he gave me the contract, signed it, and I'm on the Spartan Select team. Cool. I mean, I don't see anything. I don't see anything wrong with that. You know, there's, you know, every player on the New York Yankees or name any, any sports team is not paid the same, right? So like, yeah. there's varying degrees of benefits and pay and you know uh, perks based yeah. off your level. So you That's know, great. I I do not see it as a JV team, and I don't think. I think maybe some people near the very top of the sport might see it that way, but yeah, I mean, I think most of the sport sees it as you know you guys are the best in that field, and I think yeah. that's uh, I think that's awesome. So, was there any was there any hesitation or doubt on your side? I know a couple people, I heard that a couple people turned it down.
2: Well, first I said yes in my head, then I, I, at one point I did kind of say like I was kind of going back and forth on it because like. When I go to, I do other races series as well, not just only Spartan race. I mean, I do like Tough Mudders, I do Savage Race, Terrain Races, Conquer the Gauntlets now. You know, I just don't do one race brand. And one thing I do kind of hate when I do go to other race brands is wearing other comp- uh, company shirts to their brand. Like at uh, in uh, Oklahoma City, when I ran the Conquer the Gauntlet, for the podium's sake, it was kind of like in the contract for a Spartan Race. Like, if you do like podium at other race series, I mean, try to wear our shirts, you know, to promote, you know. And I felt kind of bad wearing it to David Main Price, you know, going on the podium for Conquer the Gauntlet wearing a Spartan shirt. So I yeah. felt kind of bad, you know, because I I'm am always one of those people like, I don't wear other people's brands at other people's venues, you for know. You I'd be before, respectful. for these
1: yeah. So you work for these races too and it is a, there has been a bit of controversy about this. Yeah. It has been very taboo in the past. Evan, what is what is your take on it, man? Cuz I I mean, I, I don't see anything wrong personally in my opinion in wearing other race brand shirts to other races because I feel like all OCR athletes are you know going doing all the races. Like like here me in Texas, I'm doing every single different race brand locally. It's not like it's It's not like one person is going to find out about this other one and be like, oh, this other race, well, I'm going to stop doing terrain because I found Savage Race. How do you feel about it, man?
0: I mean I have no problem with it. So on a certain level as an athlete, if you're getting perks or sponsorship or money or whatever deal you have worked out with another company and you're wearing theirs at another race, again, you're – like you may not be an official employee, but you're kind of an employee of that company. So I see – Sorry, hold on a second. My daughter is trying to pull my headphone jack out of there. Give me a second. So I I see nothing wrong with wearing that. And then as a, you know, if you're just a fan of another series, I also see nothing wrong with that because at the end of the day, you're at that other series, so you're showing your support by physically being them, by having a ticket to their event, and by running their race. So, you know, if your favorite is Conquer the Gauntlet and you want to wear that shirt to another brand's race or vice versa, you know, I don't see a problem with it.
2: Yeah, I can see what you're saying though, but I've al- I've always been like kind of like kind of awkward just doing like doing that. Like I just do it for- personally, you know. But I-, I don't care if others wear it or not. And, like, but I felt uncom- kind of uncomfortable, wearing it, you know.
1: Yeah, and I'll say and I'll say one thing about Victor. That I think it's been really cool that as I've gotten to know the guy, he's extremely humble. So when it comes times of being either on the select or on the normal uh, pro team. He he never looked at it like that. He's never been like, Oh, look, I'm too good to be on the select team. Extremely humble. One of the most humble elite athletes I've ever came across and I've interviewed quite a few.
0: So I'll also say that it's also how you behave, right? So if you show up and you're just wearing another brand and then I mean that's the end of it, you know, that's one thing. But if you're walking around essentially trash talking the race you're currently at, you know, and acting inappropriate, that's a different that's a different situation there. Yeah. All right. hey. hey, you talk about an
1: awesome little girl. I know you just did that longer race that you dominated this weekend, Evan. I know you, you probably weren't going to bring it up, but I'll bring it up. You did an incredible job, and one of the, the coolest things is seeing the pictures of your daughter there, rooting you on. Uh, that that was a, a dad goals, right? Hashtag dad goals. What an incredible little girl. That was awesome.
0: Thank you. Yeah, my wife's really good about getting some pr- really good pictures of me and my daughter while I race. So um, so I apologize for the background noise, but we'll edit some of this out, but I'm sure some of it's going to squeeze in there. <laughs> yeah, uh, so well, let me
1: tell you, when girls – it's not going to end anytime soon, Evan. When girls get the giggles, they get girl giggles, and it's in- infectious. Like they, don't, they can't stop it. They can't <laughs> control it. It's going to go on for about another 30 minutes.
0: We're, we're going to take – so everyone stay on the line. I'm going to take a quick break and give her a snack. <laughs> All right, we're back. All right, so let's continue on. You did your first CTG this year, so from an outsider who's typically done Spartan and Terrain and some of the other brands, you know, what was your first impressions coming to a CTG?
2: Um, so I've always known when I lived in California, I always knew about C- uh, Cal- uh, California, Conquer the. <laughs> I would
1: hope
2: so. I, uh, <laughs> I always knew about Conca de Gauntlet because I always seen people post about it. You know, I've always wanted to do these race series that and in, uh, in back east and uh, Midwest. So when I had the chance to actually do one this year, I was, like, stoked about it. But also it's kind of scary, too, because I knew that uh, the infamous Pegatron will be there. And so um, so when I first went there, I uh, was, you know, it's like a first-time racer. Like, kind of nervous, but not really. I was excited to actually get the race started.
1: Well, you should give so. the caveat that I <laughs> talked about it nonstop. Like yeah. As soon as he moved here... I was talking about conquer the gauntlet all the time, hyping it up, so it wasn't really a fair first impression. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I like, um,
2: I knew about conquer the gauntlet and I was excited to finally do one. And man, I fell in love with it. It was just like another battle frog, and you know how battle frog was if you did them back in the day. I mean, it just brought you back. Had hard how hard the rigs were, how hard the obstacles were, and. It just brought me back to those days, you know, and it was so much fun. And now I'll just do all of them if I, if I, if I can,
0: if I, get, I have a chance to, I would do all of them. Yeah. I like what you said about, it makes you feel like a first time racer. Cause you know, even going to some other series, like maybe one that's like a one-off and not an actual race series. You know, I still get that same feeling too, right? Cause you don't know, there's no rules governing how hard they make the obstacles or what they put on the course. Yeah. So I, I really like it because it pushes you out of your comfort zone and forces you to grow as an athlete and as a person.
2: Yeah, so Dallas was the first one, and it was about an hour from my house. So it was pretty fun to have the family there, too, and have my son there. And just like how, you, how your daughter goes to your races, if it, they're close, or uh, I take him to everywhere to a race. You know, he's always there. Did you
1: cross the finish line with
2: him? That was in Tough Mudder. Oh, okay. Yeah, I. I, I try to bring them to every single
0: race that I, could, I can, so
2: it's an experience.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Now, so in addition, you, you did real well at, you did two CTGs this year, and what were your placements again? I believe you won in both. Dallas,
2: I got Dallas I got second, uh, Oklahoma City I got first, and then the team race we also, and we haven't talked about it, but we, I got first there as well.
0: Awesome. So very impressive, definitely a strong start considering most people do not do well at their first CDG. So big congratulations on that. I think that speaks to what kind of athlete you are. So moving on to the team race, give me some thoughts. Well, explain, for those listening, explain what the team race consisted of and kind of what your thoughts on it were. So the team race uh,
2: consisted of four people. One of them had to be a girl. So our female is uh, Randy Lackey, which she pretty much dominates the Conquer the Gauntlet uh, races don't give any bad credit to Alexander Walker. She's a great, phenomenal racer as well. But both of them head to head, you know, it's like back and forth, you know. But but Randy, I think Brent, Rand, Brenna, uh, Brenna and Randy yeah. would normally be back to back. Yeah. So, but uh, I had Randy Lackey, I had uh, Trevor Zimmerman, and um, and Freddie Thompson, but. Uh, Freddie Thompson hurt himself on the Conquer the Gauntlet on Saturday, and the and the men's elite race. He pulled a bicep, so our substitute man was uh, no other than Benny Gifford.
1: Sweet, sweet Benny, just so <laughs> happened to be there. I, can you imagine the other teams when? So uh, you know, I'm a little like I'm a little slower than Vic. Have, having me on the strength and speed team kind of evens the field a little more. But having Vic takes my place. Kind of tips the the favors more in the strength and speed team, and then and then Freddie gets replaced with Betty, and Betty's a little faster, and it really tips the thing. Can you imagine how the other teams felt when that happened. It's like, oh god, that's not fair, you know? <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. That that team definitely got a lot stronger in the last couple of months. So, not surprisingly, you guys won, which is awesome. Super happy you rep- representing strength and speed, and uh, yeah, that was awesome to see. So take us through some of the obstacles, about how long was it and what kind of obstacles did you guys face?
2: So it was about, I think it was another half mile longer than the original course, so it came out to like 4.8 miles. Um, The team obstacles, there's some funny ones. Um, So we had like a water balloon launcher was uh, like with a tennis ball and we had to hit a target from maybe like 25, 30 yards out. We had, to, had three people on the launcher and one person fetching the balls if we are trying to hit a target. So it was pretty funny how innovative those targets, the obstacles were. Like, no it was kind of funny. yes had an obstacle Yes. <laughs> the vast
1: majority of the obstacles were not something you're going to have yeah. in, in a normal race. These were <laughs> these are all team-specific. Yeah. And Brenna was sweet enough to be able to get it live-casted. So if anyone wants to go back and watch a video of this absolutely cl- crazy race, it's all on her uh, Brenna the Red Beast Calvert's uh, Facebook page. Check it out. But I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: But they had a, they also had a puzzle they had to put together of the Conquer the Gauntlet uh, symbol that they have on their website or on their race. So you had to put that together as a puzzle. So that was pretty, uh, like, um, stressful because everyone's there at the same time. We're trying to put a puzzle together and we're like stressing like, no, this piece goes here, this piece goes there. Um, we had a slip wall with no ropes. It was about, what What do you think? That's 14, 15 feet high or something like that.
0: Yeah, so continental divide without the ropes for Conquer the Gauntlet fence. Yes, okay, sorry. Wait, what sorry. people
1: saw at USOCRC? <laughs> yeah. Yep. It, good, good one. The
0: on. one under the awning and the USOCRC in Texas.
2: Yes. Ran right next to the 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 rig that was in there the skull, skull valley
0: yeah skull valley there you go and
2: um so we had to build a human pyramid that's going up so benny was the base uh, i think trevor zimmerman was second and then or i was second on top of benny and then randy lackey went up third and then we had trevor zimmerman or actually trevor zimmerman went up third and then randy lackey went up fourth so
0: that was pretty interesting because i never done anything like that before and then, and then Benny's got that experience from being on the Spartan Ultimate Team Challenge two years yeah, in a row mm-hmm. when they won the first year and then did well the second year too. So, yeah, I think that probably played to your advantage a little more. Yeah,
2: he he told us how we were gonna do it. We actually practiced laying on the floor, um, just laying flat on the ground, like how we're gonna do it. So it was actually pretty like experience on how Benny knew what to do already. So I think that gave us maybe a little bit more advantage on that. Um. I could tell you what the most stressful obstacle I've ever done in my life, and probably won't ever do again. If I, and actually they probably will have it at Tulsa. It was called—I uh, don't even know what it's called. To tell you the truth, it's probably called stressful. Like that thing was.
1: So you're in
2: a you're in a circle, holding a rope, and each person has a rope, and there's a circle plate in the middle. So we each had to pull tension on the ropes and keep this platform raised in the middle. And we had blocks that were behind us. So each person had a letter of blocks. And we each had – we had to spell conquer backwards. So we had to start with the R and then go E, then U, then – and then – or C, I think so You had to spell Q. conquer
1: backwards. And so, yeah. it was – this is so, – I'm now just now realizing just how horribly hard this is to explain <laughs> on a podcast. Yeah. You have to visually see it. Yeah. But it, it – it,
0: there's a still of Randy Lackey putting the C on top on the co- the CTG Pro Team Instagram page. For those of you yeah. who are trying to explain, but it's it's block. So you're spelling it backwards because you're building it from the ground up. Yeah. So you're starting with the R because that's the lowest part of the block, and it's spelled. You know, it's written vertically going yeah, down. but that's
1: that's not the hard part. The hard part is depending on four people to hold a rope top. It, like they must have been having it up in the air for I don't know seven it was it
2: was seven minutes we timed I looked from when we lifted up the plate to when we put it down, it was seven minutes
0: perfectly still and that you're the winning team, right so the, yeah. the average team is slower, so they're going to be holding it for longer.
2: yeah, and that was the most stressful i ever been in a race. It was that obstacle because if we dropped it, we had to start all over. And we already wasted so much time. There's, well, not wasted time, but, like, we don't want to do it again.
1: Yeah, like you only have so much endurance in your arms to keep that rope taut. And you, you started seeing teams come up with different strategies, one of which the people would wrap the rope around their waist. Yeah. So they can just use their body weight to brace it. But keep in mind, the person who has the block needs to slowly creep towards.
2: Towards the while, middle.
1: Yeah, the middle while keeping the line, the line taut. If at all it fell at all, you'd have to restart completely over. And poor Randy had the she last almost, letter. She had the last <laughs> she, letter. She, she almost—you <laughs> can see her in the video. Go back, and man, she almost. She kept it together. It's an awesome job for her. I love her to death. Yeah. She almost dressed it, Man, I, I was yelling at my phone. Don't drop it! Don't <laughs> drop it! And you don't. You do not want to restart that obstacle. And man, she she held it tight. You she were watching.
2: You were watching the World Cup, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah, the World, the World Cup was on, but I had my headset and my face glued to the phone because I care more about Conquer the Gauntlet than the World Cup.
0: <laughs> I think that's a good call. Just yeah. I may be biased, but... Yeah. yeah.
2: So, and then uh, we completed that. We're, I think there was another team that completed it without dropping it. I think every, every team dropped it besides us and one other team. So we completed that, and then we had to carry the log maybe i don't know how long that was i want to say a half mile to a mile carrying this log through over obstacles which it wasn't as bad as i thought it was going to be but i mean it was pretty cool that we had benny on the team because we had to go over the five foot walls so and some obstacles like we needed his height like the um What's the 12-foot wall? The, uh, the great, great Wall. The Great Wall. No, so no, you
1: had already did that. You didn't take I minute, know, but that it was thing. before that, though. Yeah, before It that. was nice to have Benny
2: at as, as some height, like, uh, on uh, Concord, on the Divide Concord, what Well, was it? yeah, so the, I was th- th- the thing there, too, is that Benny yeah.
1: probably took the blunt of that. So yes, yes, imagine everyone to carry this, this heavier log. It's not too heavy. It's probably 120 pounds, but it's longer. And if you are taller, by definition, you are going to take the blunt of that log. Uh, just because we had especially last year we had a very good balance of uh, me Randy Trevor and Freddie are all about the same height, so we were able to rest it on our shoulders a little easier now imagine one person is taller
2: six two six yeah three. six two, like
1: Benny <laughs> you're gonna take the you take the blunt of it so Benny took it like a champ yeah good sport by him
0: yeah those log carries they make you do some for some military training and being, I'm whopping five foot six. I definitely, I make out pretty good on those. The, yeah. So, some of the taller guys who aren't doing so well. Yeah, you'll be
2: a Randy Lackey. All, all the guys are holding it, and she's just like pretending like she she's got holding hand it. On it. Yeah. Yeah, she's got the hand on it and like not even doing anything. But she was a good sport and she did help. You know, I she, bet she
1: She could have done the rig twice. She for us the last year she did the rig really fast. Pegaton. Twice. Yeah. No, Pegaton? no, no, not Pegatron. The, the rig. rig,
2: rig. So, but yeah, and um. We did that the the log over the five foot walls. We dropped the log there, and then we had to do Pegatron. So the funny thing about Pegatron that uh, for the team race only uh, there's three obstacles where only two people had to finish the obstacle, but everything else everyone has to finish. So it was the rig, which what what's it called Tarzan swing for yeah. them. Tarzan. Tarzan, um, uh, stairway to heaven, and Pegatron. Were the three obstacles that only two people had to finish, so Randy Lackey went through Pegatron one time, Trevor Zimmerman fell off, uh, Benny Giffer fell off, and then the funny thing have Randy said, "Do I have to do this twice, guys?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: so and then I went and then I I finished it, so I don't have we don't have to make uh, three guys that failed it and then a girl completes it twice, make feel like, like we're so low, so. I completed it so i i held it for the guys and then the cool thing about the end that when they had the monkey bars they only had half the set of the monkey bars so at the end we had to lache to a bell to hit it to finish
0: yeah i love that ending i thought that was such a cool ending
2: yeah it was pretty cool to actually see it looked further further away from the ground but when you got up there it wasn't as bad you know but i mean it was pretty cool how we – all four of us had a lane and we were up top and we all swung and hit the bell pretty not – the, not the same time. There was three people that went. I was the last person up there because I didn't want to all fall at the same time and land on someone. Who
1: was, who was at the top that was like, okay, come on, just hurry up and hit the bell? Everyone is starting to lose their grip because yeah. they just got through Begatron.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So, I mean, it was pretty cool. I, I mean, I love that,
2: that team race where everyone – like you can't complete an obstacle – Without only three people, you had to have everyone there because you know, if one gets hurt, you had to you had to go as a team. You know, either one gets hurt and everyone quits, or we carry that one person and we try to finish as a team.
0: But yeah, it was it was really fun though. So the next Conquer the Gauntlet team race is going to be at Tulsa the same weekend as Endure the Gauntlet. Are you going to be there for that one? Yeah, I'll be there for both days. Awesome, and then for other team events going on. NORAM is obviously going to have a team event this year. Like last year, they did not have one for the U.S. Championship, but they're doing one this year. It's going to be on Sunday. And a little, little insider background information that I that leaked to me, they are looking at building, using more than one team obstacle. Like I know at OCR World Championship last year, it was just the slip wall. Yeah. But they're talking about adding in several more obstacles. And you have Mark Ballas, the race director slash course designer, who's working on building some unique stuff for that. And if, if you don't know who Mark Ballas is, Owner, race director, Green Beret challenge. So, again, he's used to the multiple person team obstacles and making things challenging for the don't, team. Don't so. give
1: that man any logs. Yeah, All the obstacles at Green Beret are all logs. If you don't give him any ro- logs, he won't know what to do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. All right, awesome. So, I know you're most of the kind of the top OCR athletes in the sport have a large endurance running background, and you are not, you do not have an endurance running background. No. Kind of take us through. What your background is, and why you feel why why are you still able to compete with some of these top guys, even though you don't have that large base? Um, well, I mean, I came from a I played
2: baseball most of my life, so I mean, if an endurance background is playing baseball and throwing a ball. I mean, I could be I could pitch anyone, but I mean, just like anyone that comes to a sport that hasn't been doing, doesn't have any injuries. You know, some of these people probably have injuries like hurt ankles, hurt knees, or, you know, nursing an injury, I never had any of that. So I think coming kind of almost, like, fresh into the sport, like how Rhea did, she didn't have any kind of running background, and she came into the sport, like, dominating. And I feel like I could do the same thing, too, but I'm not doing it at that level yet. So I haven't reached my potential of uh, where I could be. But, I mean, yeah, I didn't have – I never had a running background I never had anything, so it's, like, I've been doing everything all by myself, but, yes, I've had, like, help from, like, friends, like, hey, what do you do, you know, had help from Ryan Kempson, uh, Mark Bartres, Um, you know, just give me, like, the Moralia, in- brothers. Uh, the Moralia brothers, you know, just give me a little insight here and there, like, what to do, but, I mean, most, the past four years, I've been doing everything myself, so, I mean, if, I think if I did have help, I think I, I could be where I'm at, but I like to do everything myself because then you learn things that um, that you learned over the years. So I think you learn from that, you know.
0: but it's nice to have a little bit of help. Yeah, I, I like figuring things out on my own. I feel like it. you learn the lessons a little bit harder and it sticks better even if it sometimes takes a little bit longer. Yeah. So what, what would be one piece of advice you could give someone who's transitioning in from another sport? um just be
2: patient you know i i know i know a couple of people that are coming from a running background but they don't have a very much strength so i get they get frustrated like they could see perform they can see that they're fast but they can't complete like obstacles and they just have to be patient at the process of being this uh consistent at their training and include like strength training so building i mean they have base. They have base for running. They don't have base for strength. So I mean, this. I mean, I, I came in with strength already, but I didn't have a base for running. So running is probably if you're not used to running, running takes the longest, and there's no shortcut from it. And you have to take the time on doing your mileage and you know putting the time in and running, you know. But I mean, just be patient. That's that's the only thing I could do. It's say to other people that are wanting to get faster like they always ask like what what do you do for training how do you get so how do you how'd you get so much faster it's like just take the time you know that it it really does take time to actually build up that endurance part of this running and running you know and I've taken the time for it you know I I, sometimes I have have rushed it and but it never works out and I just go back to square one to what, what I was doing before and it worked out, you know, some people have it, some people don't, but you know, I think the people that do have it, it comes naturally and I, it came naturally for me. So, and some people that don't have it naturally, they had to work a little bit harder just to get it. And once they get it, it's like, boom, they're there,
0: you know, but it, it
2: it takes a little bit longer for them.
0: So. Yeah. I I love that answer. I'm a big fan of patience and consistency. As someone who ran their first marathon in 2003 with like a time of four, close to 4:30, and now I can run sub three. You know, it was built up over a lot of years of long miles and hard workouts. So, yeah, big fan of that answer. Love it.
2: Yeah, you you have to be consistent. I mean, you could be good at one race, and like me, I could do any I could do any race series out there. I don't. I, I like. I just don't stick to one race series. I could do any race series out there and and be good, consistent. And uh, people that only stick to one race series, but kind of go do another race series, and you know, I, I like being consistent and doing everything. You know, not just one thing.
0: Yeah, I think showing that diversity and the consistency is very impressive. Yeah. Um, versus just getting really good at one series and just honing, you know, yeah. honing in on that. Yeah, I agree. I would also say that I think having a – for those people who are transitioning in from another sport, if you have that running base first, I think learning to do the strength maneuvers is easier than it is to build up your running.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm still, I'm still just building up the running. You know, I'm, I know I'm fast, but I'm not, I know I'm not as fast as the other people, and, but trying to build up that running and trying to get just a little bit faster than them – it's because every, you're trying to play catch up to them that they've been running probably a lot of their lives, and you're just playing catch up to them. So it's like you, you're, um, they're getting faster, you're getting faster. So you're staying like consistent with them, but you can't make that faster step to get to them. You, you know what I mean? Like,
0: um, yeah, everyone's improving. If everyone's yeah. improving at the same rate, you can't tell if you're improving or falling yeah. behind or what. the Yeah, deal so is. sometimes
2: it's frustrating because I could see. A lot of people proving that i used to be but they improved so much like uh his, his name's john penland he's 18 years old and he's oh, improved, that kid's phenomenal yeah he's improved so much and it's crazy it's like but i know that he is doing it full time and it's i think it's easier for him because for one he's a lot he's, more time yeah, not working full yeah, time he's and a, having a baby yes yeah, <laughs> that too he's still he's he's, he, way young. he's still he's he's still fortunate a kid you know he he has the time he still is at home he could do whatever like he has the time to train and, you know some people that don't have like i have time to train but not as much time as probably as him you know he could sleep 10 hours i can i can sleep 4 you know <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah i mean you know good you hey, know, you know and it's him
2: and i have nothing bad to say about against john i love john i love I love his dad, too, and I saw him this weekend, and, like, I mean, I, I love everyone that's improving, you know, and, yeah. and that's, that, that's when you know that sport is getting so much faster, and these people are getting so much faster.
1: Yeah, and good for him for starting early. It, for him for starting early, whereas, you know, hey, man, maybe we didn't catch on to fitness or sport till we're a little older, and now he's going to reap the, the seeds he sowed. Yeah, He is going to, he's still peaking. He's going to have a much larger base than most people from starting. By the time he hits our age, I strongly believe he's like the future Atkins, Albin, a guy super young like that. Uh, You know, we just interviewed Johnny Luna Lima. He's 22. These are all guys that are very young, guys like Cole Shorts.
2: And V.J. Jones.
1: Yeah, V.J. Jones.
2: V.J. Jones is a major one. He's only 19 years old.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This will all be the Atkins, Albins of the future. Yeah. They are the future of the sport, uh, but, but you know, when we talk about the future of the sport, me and me and Vic are more concerned about Evan and Lucan. we <laughs> the real, the real. <laughs> we have like, tons of conversations all the time about. Look at the quads on this boy. This boy's gonna be climbing those hills. You see those hams?
2: <laughs> we're derailing
1: the Yeah, yeah. Them. I'm derailing it again. <laughs> I'm doing it again.
0: I'll, I'll say this though. The one thing I do find impre- So they they have more, they probably have more time because you live with your parents and stuff like that. But as a 19-year-old, my priorities were not training and running races. Like I worked out, but I had a lot of other things on my mind than uh, than that. So I, to, to me, the fact that you can stay focused as a 19-year-old on racing is impressive to me. But so. that's
2: good. That's good for them because when like kids, when they get into a young sports like gymnastics, if you get them in really young and they excel, they they their brain process is so much faster, and they. They get better 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 you know and they become professionals like 12 13 years old you know and for them they started 16 you know their minds still developing and like ours are kind of stopping you know we actually we did kind of stop but i mean for them they're still absorbing the information and at a faster rate and they excel so much
1: faster
0: yeah so right on yeah Back to your you personally. Now, I know you have an interesting diet. I'm tracking that you're vegan. So <laughs> why, <style>. make, why <laughs> make the switch? Di- I use diet in the term of what you eat daily, not like I'm doing this for the next week. <laughs> well, it's a lifestyle. I don't... Yeah,
1: you can give them crap, Evan. Everyone, everyone else does. You get teased about it all the
0: time. <laughs> so I guess why make the switch to vegan? How long have you been vegan? And kind of take us through that. So, I've
2: been, uh, first I turned vegetarian. I still remember the date, September 6th of 2015. Um, I just wanted to try it, you know, be, just try something else, you know, and then that's when, uh, OCR really took a toll, like, took into effect, like 2015. I wanted to try something else. So, I, I went cold turkey, became vegetarian, stopped eating meat, and then, um, I wanted to try vegan that same year. So I went vegan maybe uh, two months later in November, and um, I went vegan for a year, probably a year and a half. And then I went back to vegetarian for a couple months, and then I went full vegan back. And uh, it's been over close to a year, and just about a year now, a year and a half. So I was, I was vegetarian for a little bit, and then I went back to vegan. So um, probably full-time vegan, I've probably been
0: two years now. Do you feel that it's helped your performance or is it just something that you feel that it's healthier or you just enjoy that lifestyle?
2: Hard to say because if I, if I, I'm vegan now and if I went back to regular, like eating everything and maybe I would have like went back to vegan, I could tell you, but I can't, I don't remember that transition of eating meat and then going straight into vegetarian and vegan. I don't remember how I felt. So yes, I probably feel way better. And, yes, probably my performance has peaked more, but, I mean, I, I couldn't remember how I felt in between that transition of uh, vegetarian vegan. But, I mean, I feel healthy. I mean, I probably feel healthy just as Miles, you know. I don't know. But, I mean, I I know there's more health benefits to being vegan, you know, eating raw vegetables, you know, getting actual, like, daily. Yeah, you know, you some know.
1: of the greatest athletes in the sport, uh, Susanna, Oh man, I'm gonna mess up her name. Uh, I can't. Oh, we can neither <laughs> I can't. We, we won't even Spartan say, World Champions ourselves. Susanna, she won the European Championships for the women uh, recently. She she's raw vegan as well. A lot of people are raw vegan. I think it is. It takes a lot of discipline to be able to do. And and you know you know I'm not vegan or vegetarian. I love my meat, but Victor has turned me on to some really cool meals that taste really good and if it's healthy for you why not man you know you can you can eat this stuff and not be uh, you know not have to live the vegan lifestyle like in the morning times now he brings bags of carrots we just sit in for i used to have uh beef and egg steak and egg tacos for breakfast every day and now i just have carrots and and then i we brought we got some we got some peanut butter we dip the carrots in the peanut butter and that's fantastic but there's other really cool recipes out there that uh, you know, don't, you know, guys don't, if everyone out there is like, oh, that sounds like a bunch of bull crap, you know, hey, don't knock it. Just give it a shot, man. It doesn't hurt. You don't have to do it all the time. Try a couple of different meals. Maybe you like it. One, one that I like that turned me on to is that you cook, uh, bake some cauliflower with hot wing sauce.
0: So you have like buffalo cauliflower and that's fantastic. Well, it sounds like you two have a great bromance going on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was not the point S- of it, Evan.
0: <laughs> Spe- speaking of talking <laughs> about your your meals together, um, so you recently started a YouTube TV show. Is that still going on? Where can people find that? Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. We still we still do that every day. That's just, that's just
0: for fun, man.
1: The reality is, is that in OCR, OCR hasn't reached the level of which you're going to get make any kind of money or have thousands of people... Uh, that will watch YouTube for OCR. Like, yes, we get thousands of downloads for podcasts. That's a whole different uh, media. But if, if what's interesting, if you look at other industries, man, is say the video game streamers. Here's guys that are doing commentary on video games with millions of subscribers, making a really nice living just commentating on something as simple as video games or any other sport in this world. You think baseball, football, all that stuff. You have people with very successful channels, and we're not there yet, but I think years and years to come from now o c r minute's gonna be mainstream yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. well right now man it, it's fun it's you know there's daily news we all see in our feed happening in o c r all the time, and we love to just shoot the breeze about it and talk about our feelings on it <laughs> and, just, and hey, sometimes we don't even talk about it. we talk about uh why Victor is so weird for using a spoon to smear uh, stuff onto his sandwiches instead of a knife, <laughs>
0: like the rest of normal people. <laughs> I've used a spoon mostly because I don't use it all the time, but sometimes I just, that's the only utensil I have. So I don't purposely take out a spoon. Sure yeah. Do you purposely take out a spoon? He's also special forces, so he can use
1: like just whatever he's got around him. I, I
2: like to think using the spoon is like using the metric system, and the standard system is the knife. So,
1: us Americans
2: are standard. They use knives. The metric people, they're smart people, use spoons.
0: The metric system does make a ton more sense, See? although it w- it would be very expensive to switch all of our signs and everything we measure. Uh,
2: yes, it would be. That's why we haven't
0: done it, and, and because it's a big fu to England. Yeah. So. <laughs> suck it suck it UK well, yeah. hey what's
1: funny hey what's funny is that the more you get into sports or at least endurance race or you're running and doing any kind of distance you do start inherently measuring things in meters when people ask me oh how long is that trail I'm like oh it seems about like 900 1300 meters instead of you know instead of yeah. saying like three quarters of a mile or something like that you know it's,
0: it's, it's weird how that comes about yeah <laughs> alright well we're going to start wrapping it up Lots of great information on here. So before we go, normally when Brenna's on the show and we have another guest, we do tell us one thing people would be surprised to know about you. So we're going to do it anyway, even though we don't have Brenna, because I have two other guests. So let's start off with Victor. Give me something that someone would be surprised to know about you.
2: Um, I used to be overweight. I used to weigh about two, close to 220 pounds. So oh, wow. That's, yeah, that's another thing that um, was hard for me, uh like, uh, people are surprised, like, I used to weigh 220 pounds, and now, like, I'm an athlete that I could compete with some of the best, you know. And then there's other people that are out there that are going into that same transition, and like, how did you lose so much weight? How would you get so much faster? It's like, you put in the work. You put in the work, you see the results, and you just keep going with it, you know. Not just for a year or two, and that's a whole lifestyle changing.
0: So, yeah. Miles? And for me...
1: Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people don't know this, but I speak. Spanish. Sorry about that.
0: My daughter stole my headphones for a minute. I missed the last part of your conversation. Oh, no, but, no, no. no you're yeah, okay. that's, uh, that is that is crazy. And I know there's some other. Uh, I know uh, Miguel Medina wasn't always super skinny and athletic either, yeah. which yeah, I was really surprised to
2: hear. Yeah, he used to be overweight too, Miguel.
1: Yeah, he's all about that World of Warcraft. Me and him have had a uh, many conversation about
0: that. <laughs> Are you serious? Oh
1: yeah, yeah. He was he was a big gamer, dude. I love it because I'm still a gamer. I love that's what I do when I'm like I'm down and I'm just recovering and I'm not doing anything at nighttime. My mind races so much like crazy because of the ADHD. I need something to slow it down, and uh, video games will do that night down, so, okay, so tell
2: us one okay. thing about you so don't get off subject yet. okay
1: one thing one thing about myself i hope i haven't said this before but i speak spanish fluently my ex-wife was panamanian and i learned i learned spanish from now i was also living in orlando where the majority is puerto rican and uh i spent a lot of time in puerto rico the island has a little special place in my heart very beautiful place very humble uh wonderful people and uh yeah, I, I speak Spanish fluently, and as a matter of fact, it's the only music I can dance. <laughs> for a white boy, I usually can't dance anything, but I'm really good at dancing uh, bachata, merengue, and I'm okay at dancing salsa. Uh, all, all the Me- all the Mexican music I can't dance, like Cumbia, Norteño, Tejano, I can't dance at at all. I'm horrible at it. But uh, but then as soon as it gets back to like American music, if it's hip-hop or something, I go full white guy. And, and this full-on white guy. Do you do you dance at all, Evan?
0: I do a little bit of dance, and I don't think I'm too bad. So that I'll use that to tie into the one thing, or something that people, most people don't know about me. So in high school, I used to do drama club and musicals. So I've been in like half a dozen musicals and five different drama productions. And one of the productions we did was Anything Goes, which is like tap dancing and singing and all sorts of stuff. And I learned, like, one breakdance maneuver in that show that I still break out anytime we do a dance <laughs> thing. And it is, it, thing. it is good. Like, every time I do it, people are like, oh, that's real good. I'm like, yeah, it's part of my deep repertoire, which is basically that one move. So <laughs> anyway, it's that pretty good.
1: Guys, that beats the guys who, like, never learn how to dance at all and they play Dance Dance Revolution. At the at the mall yeah. arcade, and they're still using those moves.
0: Oh, gosh. <laughs> so sp- speaking of um, the musicals and drama club and stuff like that, the one kind of cool thing—well, one of the guys I used to act with is actually on Broadway, so no pretty good, uh, pretty good stuff there. He was in SpongeBob SquarePants, which I guess is closing now. And then one of the other guys I was um, used to act with, who's also one of my really good friends, he was in my wedding party. Uh, he's also the one who redesigned the strength and speed symbol. So if you look on the website, there's actually two different versions. There's one like kind of standard one and one with like a shield on it. He redesigned the one with the shield. He just got nominated for his third Emmy. So he won two Emmys wow. uh, in the last two years. You mean a Tony? Um, Isn't no, no. Tony I'm, for, I'm, for so I, a little bit off topic, a little bit off topic. So he's he is an Emmy because he is a senior editor on the show last week tonight with John Oliver. Oh, so wow. he,
2: I saw your post about that, I believe.
0: Yeah, so he he's awesome. Um just got nominated for his third Emmy and uh, kind of a funny story. So the first time he gets nominated, he's like he's like, dude, I just got nominated for an F and Emmy. And he's like he's like, I'm gonna go to the award ceremony, I'm not gonna win, but who the hell cares? Like that's awesome. And we're like, Yeah. And like that night he's the night of the Emmys, he sends me a text and it's just a picture of his hand holding the Emmy and he's like WTF exclamation point question mark <laughs> that's so, awesome yeah did not think he was going to win he's won 2 years in a row um he's up for his third nomination so congratulations man yeah he set the bar unreasonably high and we all expect him to win now and we will boo him incessantly if he loses so
2: <laughs> you're unfriending him yeah <laughs> yeah <block. laughs> I'll be like Pff,
0: I only I only friend people with 3 or more Emmys yeah. I'm sorry <laughs> sorry <laughs> All right, I think that that about wraps it up. Uh, final shout-outs to sponsors, family, friends, anything you want. Victor, what do you got?
2: I'll um, uh, do a sponsor to uh, uh, shout-out to Human Octane, my compression uh, line gear that they uh, uh, sponsor me this year. Um, uh, I think that's it. I don't have very much <laughs> Oral IV. VYB. Oh, yeah. Oral IV. <laughs> Hydration. Uh, VYBX for my bracelets for keeping me sane uh i mean there's probably more i just can't remember (laughs) yeah you've got so many so many sponsors i can't keep track of i'm a horrible person (laughs) i would say solomon but they won't sponsor me
0: so after the after this podcast they will
2: oh yeah solomon
1: i'm sure you hear me i'm i'm ready yeah (laughs) all right uh miles what do you got uh, just uh, check us out on the Link Endurance podcast. Um, <laughs>
2: so you're you're representing another,
1: another one? <laughs> oh no, we we'll we both interchange them, but yeah, hey, on on the Link Endurance podcast, I push the strength and speed. I love Evan the Death, and this is a fan. He has a fantastic podcast, yeah, a and we all try to.
0: Link Endurance is one of our media partners for Endure the Gauntlet, so it's okay to represent another podcast. <laughs> <like that's laughs> right?
1: Well, you know what? You know what's funny, man. I feel like some of the other podcasters think that it's like a competition or something, and just so everyone knows out there, like we're not making any money off this. Evan, do you, have you ever made any money off the podcast?
0: I have made some small amounts, and I've gotten some free free stuff. But, but yeah, free um, stuff.
1: That's fair. That's fair. But I, I've never made any money on it. I just do this because I love the sport and the passion. I urge everyone else to chase their passion and <laughs> yeah. chase their passion and find it. and Because that, that feeling of living and having a passion like that is a fantastic feeling
0: oh awesome and final shout outs for me again um uh, guides ultra ocr bible available in the strength and speed store so pick that up also down to two blegmits left total so they're size small so if anyone wants any blegmits i'd pick those up asap i am working on hopefully getting in another order in before world's toughest Mudder, or through before toughest Mudder west when they re- redo that one And hopefully those will be in stock soon. But as of now, all I have left is Smalls. And I think that's about it. Other than that, um, Hammer Nutrition. If anyone wants to order any endurance supplements, I highly recommend Perpetuum. I have a code 240887 that will give you 15% off. I just used them this past weekend at the Dirt Runner's 6-hour race. And it's what I use for all my endurance stuff. So uh, check them out. Alright, I think that wraps it up. Your co-host is back. <laughs> she finished the snack. Oh, my other co-host. Yeah, my little co-host, yes. Yeah. So, it, while, while we've been recording this, my daughter, um, grabbed, I have an Atlas Stone in here that I won at Dirt Runner, and she's been rolling it around the room. I've been trying not to make sure she knocks over her furniture or breaks anything.
1: Hey, that's a cool
0: prize. An Atlas Stone? Shoot, man, I'd use that. And then other than that, she's She's currently pulling on my headphones, so um, I am going to have to do some editing on this, but you're still, I'm sure you'll still hear on yeah, the background of some of these. Leave
1: it raw. Yeah, Matt B. Davis gets away with it, man. Leave yeah, it raw.
0: Leave it raw. <laughs> he orders. Now, well, yeah, you want that raw when I left and go get it, get, went to get her cheese in the middle of the podcast and there's like two minutes of silence?
1: I'm pretty sure Matt B. Davis gets away with it.
0: Yeah. I think it's cool. you. Yeah. 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 All right. So that's it. Uh, say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Peace. Bye. <laughs> Later. No, I won't.
1: No, nah, I can't leave the Metroplex. Remember? Yeah, baby, lockdown. <laughs> <You're on> lockdown. <laughs> I know. You know, it's funny. I feel like I need to give that caveat because any time I tell people I can't leave the Metroplex, it sounds like it's for legal purposes. <laughs> like I have an ankle bracelet or something on. You're on lockdown. Baby. Yeah. Next year, that would be great, dude. Uh, will you be at Tulsa? Yeah, he's doing endure the gauntlet, so he's gonna do twenty four hours of running that Tulsa course. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. I that, I did not know. He's seriously forty. Why forty eight, bro? Holy crap, man!
0: Stuck on that.